Hello, hello, and welcome to the Love Lindsay podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Wheeler. A military wife and mom who's built two successful businesses and launched a charity to give back to military families. We are grateful for where we are today, but the road to get here has not always been easy. My hope is that this show will be a chance to pay forward some of the lessons that I've learned to help others and also to learn right along with you by creating conversations with people who inspire me so that we can all show up a little bit better tomorrow than we did today. Thanks for being here. Enjoy the show. Today, we're taking it back, friends. I think to talk about where I am today, the businesses that I've built, this life that I'm living now, we have to go back and talk about how it started. I promise I won't bore you with 40 years of stories and anecdotes, but I do know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, there have been some really pivotal moments in my life, some really hard challenges that I have faced like everybody else, But I know that those challenges made me who I am today. So on the podcast today, this is my story. It didn't begin as one of dreams of becoming an entrepreneur. I actually grew up in a small town in Idaho, had a great childhood, played all the sports. I did everything. I was that kid. I was in student government. I did mock trial. I played every sport. Every event that I could be a part of, I was. There was never a dull moment. I rodeoed in the summers. I can remember going to volleyball practice and coming home still in my volleyball clothes and knee pads. And my dad would have my horse saddled and I would jump on still in my volleyball clothes because we were running out of daylight to be able to rope a few calves and practice a little bit for a rodeo that I had coming up. I mean, it it was busy and chaotic. And I'm so, so incredibly grateful for my parents because they facilitated all of that. And never told me that I couldn't try something new. And I'm so incredibly grateful because I was scared to try a lot of things. I tried things that I'd never done before, but I know that that really shaped and led an example for me as an adult to try things that were scary that I had never done before, like starting a business. So I know that that started really early on. And I look back now and realize that I had this kind of inherent confidence that I thought everybody had. And I didn't realize until I was older that that wasn't something that everybody was born with. I just thought, well, yeah, of course you're confident. Of course you are scared, but you let that kind of fuel you to give it your best shot and weren't weren't afraid of of failing um, or didn't let it keep you from trying, I guess. I mean, I failed at a lot of things, but it didn't keep me from trying the next thing or trying getting back up and, and trying again. And I thought everybody was wired that way. My parents really encouraged me to try all the things and gave me the belief that I could be anything. And that is such an incredible gift. I'm grateful for the family that I have, awesome people. Um, And they really did instill in me this confidence that I could try anything. Like, why couldn't I, you know, be the next Diane Sawyer? Why couldn't I uh, run for, you know, uh, an office um, 
with my class? Why couldn't I try a new sport? Why couldn't I, you know, make the national high school rodeo finals or the national college finals? Why couldn't I play a volleyball in college? And these are things that I'm super grateful for now, but looking back, I didn't appreciate that. And I just thought that's how everybody felt, but that was my childhood. You know, my parents were divorced, but they lived just a couple blocks from each other. And I really can't complain. I mean, I'm grateful for all the experiences and the things that they allowed us to try and fail at and try again. But that was kind of how life started for me. I really thought that I wanted to be, I love to talk, big shocker, but I love to talk. And I can remember somebody saying in like middle school, um, you know, find something that you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. You know that saying, we've all heard it. And I was like, well, what do I love to do? I was always that kid who was talking in class, got in trouble for talking, was, you know, good in school, but it always, there was always that like asterisk on my report card. She's like, she's really smart. She does really well, but she really needs to work on, you know, talking a little bit less. And so, you know what? I thought, dang it, I'm going to funnel that into something um, that I know that I can do really well. And so grandiose dreams, like, well, why not? I'm going to become this like really powerful trial attorney because I had seen, you know, all the TV shows where it looked so glamorous and everybody was always in the courtroom. And I was like, I can do this. I can argue for a living. I can get up in front of, you know, a judge or a jury and give a really powerful closing argument. And I think it was like the theatrics that I love so much about it, you know, But then my dear friend who I met sophomore year of high school, we went to different middle schools. His name was Luke. And we sat in the very back of the civics class. I remember like it was yesterday. And we just became really, really good friends. His dad was an attorney in town and I got a job there. He gave me one of my first jobs. And so I worked in uh, Dean's law office and they are like a second family. I love them so much. And they, you know, welcomed me in. they tease me all the time and, and give me more crap than anybody else. And it just makes me feel loved, but I worked for him and he was also our mock trial coach. And so I, I got to do all that in the courtroom in our, you know, kind of student environment. But then I saw what life was really like and all the work behind it. And I just ran errands and, you know, ran deposit, you know, ran paperwork back and forth into the courthouse and exhibits and, you know, marked exhibits and did stuff like that. And I thought, oh, maybe this isn't all that it's cracked up to be. So I pivoted and decided, you know what, what's the next best thing of talking? I'm going to become a reporter. I'm going to be a TV reporter. I'm going to take Diane Sawyer's job. I'm going to, you know, live in New York in this you know, big penthouse apartment. And I am going to be like the face of ABC news because, you know, your girl doesn't lack in confidence here because I thought, why not? And my parents were like, well, go for it. So I went to college on a volleyball and rodeo scholarship. I was, you know, chasing this little dream at these small schools and, you know, anchored for the the school TV station um, at the university of Idaho and got a job right out of college. I was actually still in college when I got my first TV job. So I was an intern and they hired me. So here I am, these tiny little stations. I can remember my parents were really worried because my brother was becoming a teacher. My dad was like, oh my gosh, how are you going to make it? Teachers don't make any money. You know how parents worry. And I was like, I'm going to make less than a teacher. So I'm so grateful for my parents' support, uh, my grandparents' support. And I you know, started in these tiny little TV stations and was working my way up and just loved it. I love live TV. I love that it was different every day. And it really fit my personality. So I failed forward in these tiny little markets and was moving up. Um, And at the same time, my personal life felt like it was really going well too. That best friend of mine in high school, Luke, we had gone to different colleges. I stayed in the Northwest. He was going to school um, 
on the East Coast in Virginia and at a military school. And so we were at completely kind of different experiences in college, but we always stayed connected. We, I, he was the only person that I made a point to kind of go see or connect with. Um, when I was home on a break, uh, home from college. And when we were seniors, we were home like we always did. And we hung out. I spent as much time, I think, at his uh, family's house as I did at, at my own and loved every second of it. And we were home and, you know, just this kind of fairy tale thing. We, it was a Christmas break and he, we had hung out and he leaned over and kissed me. And he said, I wanted to do that for six years. And I was blown away and hooked from there on. Um, that is how our our friendship, our super close friendship turned into something more. And so he was starting his career as an army officer and I was starting my TV career and we were trying to figure out how all this worked. We were, uh, you know, lived away from each other and made every chance that we could to, to be together. And I was at a tiny little TV station. Things were going well. We kind of had a plan for what it would look like next, how we could kind of link our careers and make all this work, you know, young and in love and Thought we had it all figured out, had kind of the world by the tail. And I can remember this day like it was yesterday because it changed the trajectory of my life forever. I was a reporter for the 10 o'clock news. I was actually living with my brother in uh, just outside of Boise, Idaho, and I had done the news and I had driven home. And when you work the night shift like that, you're kind of all amped up and everybody else is asleep. And so I would always talk to people that were awake on the way home. And so I was talking to a friend of mine from college and I got home and my mom was clicking in. And I thought that was so weird because it was like 1130 at night. And I had no, like, why is my mom calling me right now? She shouldn't be in bed. And at the same time, my brother walked into the room and he's a school teacher, gets up early. I'm like, why is he awake? And my, I was like, well, I better take this call. This is my mom. Something might be wrong. And I clicked over and, you know, my mom had called my brother. She didn't want me to be there by myself. And um, I can remember my mom's words. She said, sweetie, I don't know how to tell you this, but we lost Luke today. And Luke was serving in Iraq and I drove him to the airport. I sent him off and I just knew he was going to come back. I knew he was going to be fine. I never had a doubt. I worried about him, but I got to talk to him often. I had just talked to him the day before and it just, I dropped to the floor and my brother was there and he didn't know what to do. And he just held me and it was a complete blur. I just felt like at 24 years old, I thought I had life figured out and we were gonna figure this out together. And he was gone, my best friend. I, I couldn't imagine what life would look like. I thought it was just over right there. My heart broke for his family who I love so much and love so much to this day. And the next several weeks were just a blur. I flew home right away. Um, a few weeks there was a service there. And then a few weeks later we were in Arlington and that was just gut-wrenching, standing there trying to make sense of all of this. I was mad at God. I was, I just thought that my life in that moment, that I would, that I had lost my chance at happiness, that I could go through the motions and I could be in this body, but that my chance at that happiness, my chance at that life and that family and all those things that I pictured in my head was gone at 24. And everyone was looking at me so sad and they didn't know what to do or say. And I was, I didn't know. I didn't know how to go forward. I was just, I was not me. I was just a shell. And I felt like that's how I was gonna live the rest of my life. That this is what I had, been, these are the cards I'd been dealt. And that was the life that I was gonna have. 
And at Arlington, we were standing there. Luke was just, I could do podcast after podcast about him. Just so funny and full of life and a smile that would light up a room and so kind and just loved me so, so well and more than I deserved, I'm sure. But I feel so blessed to have had him in my life for the time that I did. Um, I feel I feel bad for the people that didn't get to meet him because he was such an incredible person and the world really lost somebody so special that day. But I was there at Arlington and Luke had so many people that cared about him, people that came from all over the country to pay their respects. And a big chunk of that group were friends of his from VMI, Virginia Military Institute, where Luke went to college. And it's such an interesting experience of going to a military school. I think those guys created bonds that are just hard to explain. They're unlike any other uh, brotherhood friendship bond. And one of his very dear friends was Seth, who is now my husband. And I had heard about Seth. I'd heard that name. He'd heard mine. But because we went to school on different coasts, we'd always kind of met up at home or at other places. And so I'd never met him in person. So I met Seth there. And we chatted and we're on a, a group email chain together. And I can remember coming home trying to go back to work and go back to some kind of routine because I know that's what Luke would want. I know he would want me to be happy. I know he wouldn't want me to be the shell of the person that I was and the person that he loved because he wanted more for me than, you know, he was that kind of person that he wanted more for you than he did for himself. That's just the character um, that he had. And so I was trying to find some, some semblance of normal getting back to it. But anyone who's gone through a loss, you know, after a funeral, after a service, everybody else has to go back to life. And you feel like they get to go back to life, but you don't. And I was in just this space of kind of not knowing what was next because my next professional move, I was going to be hopefully connecting with Luke. And so I just felt like everything was in turmoil at that point. And I had just gotten back from Arlington and had gone back to work and had come home. And there was a box sitting on my front step and it was 11 o'clock at night and no one else had seen it. Um, and I walked up and it was this huge box that I had put together for Luke for Christmas. And it was, you know, all the care packages, all the military wives or moms out there, you get it. Like I had spent weeks putting together all these things because I just wanted him to open it and feel like he was at home and how much he was loved and missed. And there was so much stuff in there. It was a massive box. And as you can imagine, it had been to Iraq and back. So it made it all the way there. And um, I don't know why, but someone had written in a big black Sharpie, deceased across the top of the box, returned to sender. And I can remember seeing this box and kind of being in awe, like, what is that on my front porch? And then seeing it and I just broke down. And in that moment, I couldn't call my parents. My parents were so worried about me. It was late at night. I just felt so alone. They just, they didn't know if I was going to recover from this. And I didn't want them, I didn't want to break down to them or feel like give them another reason to worry. And in that moment, um, my phone dinged. I had a Blackberry. I'm dating myself here, but it was an email from Seth. I had been on a group email chain um, leading up to Luke's service and Seth sent me an email and said, I'm just thinking about you. I hope that you're doing okay. If you need anything, let me know. And I don't know why 
awful things happen. I don't know why incredible people are, are taken from us too soon. And I'll never know those answers probably, but I do know that I, I couldn't imagine being with anyone else. And in that moment, obviously I wasn't even thinking about that, but I can look back on it now and realize that I, in Seth, I have such an incredible husband and the father of my kids and my partner and best friend, but I also have someone who understands the loss because he lost his best friend too. And I have never felt like I had to hide Luke or my feelings or days that I feel so sad um, because he feels it too. And so I feel like out of such an awful, awful loss and tragedy came a really beautiful thing, which is my husband and my family. But in that moment, he was just a friend. He was somebody that I could talk to and talk about this box that showed up and what I was going through um, and how I just felt like I needed to change. And he was just a friend. He was a listening ear and a friend. And in that moment, I was so grateful for it. And in speaking of things that just sort of come up and happen, soon after that, the news director at a rival station in my area asked if he could take me to lunch. I thought that was odd. And he took me to lunch. I said, sure, I'll listen to what you have to say. And so he took me to lunch and he said, listen, you have a contract. You can't come work for me, but I don't want you in this market anymore. And I was flattered by that. And he said, I would really like to help you get a job. And in that moment, I was scared. Uh, you know, I lived about six hours away from my family at that moment. I lived with my brother. So I had some family close by, but I had this feeling like I needed, if I was going to find a new normal, that I needed a change. And that might sound crazy for some people, but I just felt like I needed a change. And so I said, okay. And so he worked with his, um, he just kind of put out some feelers. I guess he became almost like an agent for me and a headhunter. And uh, the next thing I know, I, I got a job offer. The job offer was for a station in Virginia, which is about as far from Idaho as you can get. I didn't know anybody there. I'd never even been, but the job offer was from there. And Seth had lived there. It was the weirdest coincidence, God moment. I don't know, but I took the interview and I flew there and I interviewed for the job and I got it. So here I am moving across country for this new TV job, trying to find a fresh start. And um, Seth had lived there, my husband, but he was actually training in California, going through uh, Navy SEAL training. And so he didn't live there. He, I didn't know anybody, but I found my footing there in this new place. And I absolutely loved it and felt like, okay, like I'm getting my career back on track, the personal side, not so much, but I'm getting my career back on track. And then Seth got transferred back there as well. And so here we are in the same place. And um, a couple years later, we got married. And that friendship turned into a, a really beautiful love story that I am so incredibly grateful for every single day. It's hard to tell people, how did you meet? Um, we often say, through our best friend. And it's true. Um, no one wants to hear that we met at my boyfriend's funeral. But our love story is no less beautiful. 
And it doesn't take away anything from the feelings that I continue to feel for Luke. I think when you lose somebody like that, it forever changes you and you can choose to let it darken your heart. You can choose to let it ruin your future, or you can try and live a life that is worthy of that person. And in my darkest days and the hardest days, that's what I've tried to do is I've tried to say, Luke doesn't get to have a family. Luke doesn't get to have kids. Luke doesn't get to have a bad day, right? So even in the bad days, I want to live a life that is worthy of someone so great that didn't get the chance to have any more bad days. And so I think that's where, you know, I think you have a moment, a, a choice of how do you, what fork in the road do you take? And I'm so grateful that I tried to find comfort in faith, even though I was mad at God, to find comfort in faith, to lean on people like Seth who understood what I was going through and find a way to find a new normal together that still honored Luke. Um, and it gave us an in incredible blessing that is this family. Um, and, you know, we, my husband, Seth was going through military training. I know I just lost somebody and here I am marrying a, uh, soon to be special forces soldier. So right after we got married, uh, Seth finished his special forces training. He actually switched from the Navy to the army and he completed this elite grueling two years of training and became a green beret. And during that time we had our son Braxton and I really thought that I could juggle it all. I thought that I could be wife and mom and award-winning TV reporter, have dinner on the table, you know, DIY, you know, baby food, you know, all this stuff, craft, you know, all these things that I thought that I could do. And, you know, I think when you make plans, God laughs. And in that moment, I had this baby and I was by myself and I had no family there. And Seth had to go back to training. He was able to come home by the grace of God, just for Braxton's birth. Cause he, he was born right before Christmas. So it worked out right before Christmas break that he was able to be there for the birth. But then 10 days later, he left, my mom left, everybody left. And here I am with this baby. And Oh man, <laughs> talk about, you know, being thrown uh, to the fire a little bit, but I did it. We made it, my little buddy, we made it through one day and got to the next. And, you know, that's all you can do in, in those moments. But I think it really taught me how strong I am that I could get through something so hard, like losing Luke and try and find some happiness afterwards that I could find a way to honor him, even through that grief, that I could have this baby and basically do it by myself with, with no family nearby and, and my husband four hours away, you know, completing more military training. But when I went back from maternity leave, I went back to work. And I think that's when it all hit me that all these things that I thought I wanted, I never dreamed of being a stay at home mom. I never dreamed of being an entrepreneur. It just wasn't part of, it was, it just wasn't even my wheelhouse. My dad's an entrepreneur. I have so much respect for the hustle and hard work that goes into it. I know I get my work ethic from my parents. They are such amazing examples of that. Um, and so I've always been a hard worker and not been afraid to work hard, but I just didn't see that as I just always thought I'd be a TV reporter. That's what I would do. But after having my son, I realized that my husband had this crazy job. He was going to get ready to deploy a lot. I had this job that, you know, I could be, you know, asked to leave on a moment's notice to go cover big stories. That was only getting uh, more prevalent as I was going up in markets and in ranks within the business. And so I just kind of had this moment of, 
uh, this isn't what I want anymore. And I was as shocked as anybody else. Um, so and Seth was such a big supporter of that. And so as he was finishing his training, I actually gave my notice. Um, I was so afraid to tell my dad, who is my biggest cheerleader, uh, but I was afraid to tell him that I'd quit my job because he was so proud of me and what I was doing and all that I'd accomplished um, as, a, as a journalist, but I didn't tell him. He actually found out, someone told him, my dad's not on Facebook, but someone posted a photo from my going away party from the TV station and told him. I mean, I was gonna tell him eventually, but you know, I, uh, I was afraid. I was afraid to disappoint him that, um, you know, he wouldn't think that it was the right thing, but you know, he's so incredibly supportive of me and, um, and always has been. And so I don't know why I, why I was worried, but, uh, yeah, I quit my job, which is crazy. My husband got a job or got transferred to Fort Lewis in Washington. And so we moved here and had my daughter. I was pregnant at the time. So I had two kids under two and my husband deployed six weeks later for our first big deployment. So here I am with a two-year-old, a six-week-old. We live in Washington. We have no family within like six hours for four and a half. Four, my dad lives about four and a half hours away and my mom lives six. And so I guess, you know, we had no family close and I have these two little kids and I was pretty convinced, you know, that um, I had put the first love of my life on a plane and he didn't come back. And I can remember standing there with two little kids and sending Seth off and thinking I barely survived the first time it happened. How will I tell these kids that their dad isn't coming home? And that was the hardest 11 months. He was gone for 11 months and it was the hardest of my life. I'm so grateful. You know, my family, I would load the kids up and I would go drive, you know, four and a half, six hours to go see them just to, to get a break just for my, you know, sanity, but it was the hardest. Every time somebody knocked on my door, I was convinced there was going to be somebody standing there in a uniform telling me that my husband wasn't coming home and that's no way to live. It is that constant fear, but it's something that I think military wives can relate to. And so I, I made it through that 11 months, but it was the hardest that I have probably ever experienced in my life of just constant fear. The communication wasn't as good back then. I didn't hear from him very often. And so I just got from one day to the next with two little kids and we made it through that 11 months. And I'm so grateful. Um, God brought him home safe and, and he came home to us, but the deployments from there were constant. I mean, he was gone more than half of our marriage. The first 13 years. And it was, it was an insane time. And I think that is something that people don't realize, you know, I'm so grateful for the love and support that, that soldiers are given. Um, I think so. I think most people, uh, as they, as they are, do give a lot of respect to those who are willing to serve um, our country and protect us. And I'm so grateful for everyone out there who does. But the silent uh, heroes at home are those family members who are trying to take care of kids and manage the house and also support their soldier who's away. And I'm sending care packages and I'm trying to be excited on the phone to talk to him um, or stay upbeat so he doesn't have one more thing to worry about. But it was it was a lot. And I think in realizing that this was going to be our life, it was after he came home that um, I had started a blog while he was gone because I just needed something to occupy my time because the nights were the hardest. You put kids to sleep. I told my kids that, you know, moms got a ticket if if they mommed after 8 p.m. Uh, it was my 
it was my, uh, you know, I told a white lie. I'm sorry, God forgive me. But it was my coping mechanism to explain to them that like mom was done at eight o'clock. And so I was the bedtime Nazi. Like my kids went to bed at eight o'clock and they slept through the night and they didn't get up. And, but I told them mom's got a ticket. So it gave me a relief at eight o'clock when my kids went to bed and they stayed in bed. But the problem was I was awake and that those were the hardest times. My husband was gone and it just allowed me to worry. So I started refinishing furniture and I started this blog and something to kind of fill my mind and my creativity so that I wasn't in constant worry. And it was in doing that, that I got asked to do this little vendor event. And next to me was a girl that was selling LuLaRoe, which is the company that I'm now part of. And it was these great clothes, but I was so busy selling furniture and she bought the furniture that I had refinished all this cute little shabby chic furniture. Um, and I didn't even try on the clothes, but a couple of weeks later, I had refinished another piece for her. We'd stayed in touch and I bought a dress. I bought this Julia dress and my husband told me to just buy a couple more. Like I have too much on my plate, but I Googled LuLaRoe and what it was. And the next thing I know, I you know, called the phone number and I got the owner of the company on the phone, which is just crazy. And, and her name is Deanne. And I got to talk to her and I was like, I'm in, I'm doing this. And my husband told me not to do it. He was like, you don't have time. There's no way that you can juggle all that. You don't know anybody here in Washington. There's no way. And so I called my dad and I said, can I borrow this money? And my dad being, you know, just this great cheerleader was like, shoot. Yeah. Here. He said, my money's making nothing in the bank. I'll send you a check. And so, um, he sent me a check and I placed an order the next day. And three days later, these cardboard boxes arrived and my husband was getting ready to deploy again. And he was like, what did you do? I said, don't worry about it. I got this. I got this figured out. He said, oh my gosh, in six months, I'm going to be crawling over this stuff in my garage. I can't believe you did that, but okay, like go for it. And so he deployed again and I loaded my kids up in the car and I would drive, you know, four hours to my dad's where I knew some people and six hours to my mom's and I didn't know anybody and I had every reason for this not to work, but I think it went back to that work ethic and that, you know, refusing to quit and not afraid to fail and not afraid to try again. And I just kept going. And before I knew it, I, I met a few more people and those people introduced me to a few more people and my business was growing and Seth was still deploying during all of this. And I had actually earned a cruise with LuLaRoe. And I remember I took my best friend, Holly, because Seth was in Afghanistan again. And so here I am in the middle of the ocean, worried about my husband. I'm out of contact from him. I'm worried about something happening to him. I'm worried about being away from my kids. And I just had this really great conversation with, with an incredible friend um, who is now a mentor. You'll hear from him on the show in a few weeks, but we just had this conversation and he made me, he allowed me to sort of talk through my dreams and allowed me to see something that was so much bigger and it really was a pivotal, again, a pivotal moment in my life. I could have said, this is too hard. I cannot do this. Um, because just when I had set some really big goals for my business, my husband, who was supposed to be home for the, for the whole year, got sent on another deployment. And I was like, I just felt like I was getting kicked while I was down. You know, here I was going to have to worry about him again. I was going to have to juggle everything on my own. I needed more help with the kids and I was going to have less. And, but he made me see that if it, if my why was big enough that I could make this work. And so I had two calendars. I had a calendar for babysitters and a calendars for events, events for my business. And it was a crazy juggling act, but we made it work. And I set this crazy goal that if I could, build a business to this certain level that um, my husband could retire. And I think he even thought I was crazy. Everybody thought I was, but 
I didn't give up. There were so many times where it was so hard and I wanted to, and I thought that this was the universe telling me that I just should throw in the towel, but I didn't. And I got to see that why become a reality. My husband is now retired. You know, there were so many more stories and steps along the way. And I'm sure we'll get into more of those as we talk about, you know, facing adversity and challenges here on the podcast. But my husband is now home because my why there was, I was never too tired, too frustrated, too kicked in the teeth to build something that could keep my husband out of harm's way. You know, at that moment, my husband was, you know, on sniper missions and getting shot at. When your why is that strong, there's nothing that you won't do. And so I sacrificed sleep. I sacrificed things for me on the short term so that I could build something that I knew would bless my kids, that would give them their dad, that that was so much bigger. And so we did it. And here we are. We actually, my husband retired. We came on a weekend getaway to Montana and fell in love with it. It was just supposed to be this chance to get away, just the two of us kid free. We drove around. We didn't know anybody here once again. And I had this amazing local community and customer base in Washington. And I was terrified to leave it. But in my gut, I knew doing this business was something that I should do. I knew in my gut that my husband, well, well, everyone would say, are you nuts? Would you really, after all that you've been through in your loss, would you really marry someone who was going back to do the same thing? I trusted my gut. I trusted my gut that we, that I could build something that could really change our family's trajectory and the legacy for our family and my kids' upbringing. I could change that for them because their dad could actually be home. I trusted my gut that moving to Montana was the right thing to do. And it was scary and terrifying, but here we are. Um, We have since started a charity. My biggest fear was telling my kids that their dad wasn't coming home. And I know that that's a reality for military families. And just like losing Luke, everybody else goes back to real life or the majority of people, except for those deeply, deeply affected by the loss of that soldier. And so we started Operation Artemis as a way to give back to soldiers wounded in the line of duty, but also to Gold Star families, the the widows and kids, because we truly believe that with much is given, much is expected. And that's how we can pay that forward is what can we do for those soldiers? What can we do for those families? So we work every day to to try and further that mission to do what we can because our family was so incredibly blessed to have Seth home safe with both arms and both legs and you know able to go to baseball and be there to get kids from school every day and he doesn't miss a game and those are things that I did not think would be possible and they are today. And so that's where the charity started. We'd never done that before. We didn't know how to, um, but we figured it out and we're still figuring it out. But this life, I never would have envisioned that this would be my life. I thought I was going to be a TV reporter. I would work for somebody. I would get a paycheck every two weeks. And there's nothing wrong with that. But those pivotal moments, those crossroads that we all have the opportunity to take, the ones that I took led me to here. And the hardest challenges, the biggest successes and milestones that I've reached in my business and life They all have made me who I am today, a very imperfect, flawed person, but someone who is so grateful for the life that I have, who is trying 
to show up each day a little bit better than I was yesterday. And someone who is trying to live each day to be worthy of the day, because I know not everybody gets it. And I know that all too well. And so now I get the opportunity to have a new why. And we'll talk about, uh, about the importance of having your why. I kind of thought it was a bunch of mumbo jumbo until I finally uh, got over myself and figured out what my why was. And my why was to have my husband waking up next to me, home safe, to build a life together and not spend so much apart and so much in fear of a knock on the door or if he would be coming home. And we get to live that why now. And I feel so incredibly blessed. And I thank God every day for that, for the opportunities that have been put in our life and for the hard work that we put in to build what we have today. My husband now works beside me and he is such a champion of mine and my business. And I could not do any of this without him. And because we are doing it together in linking arms, we together, we are so much stronger and we've built so many, so much more and have such bigger dreams because we're doing it together. And I am so incredibly grateful for that. Uh, none of this would matter without having him as my partner and doing this together. Our relationship is not perfect. Our marriage is not perfect, but there's, there is no one else that I would rather link arms with than him. And I am so, so grateful for him, but together we now get to have this new why. And that new why is really a part of this podcast. I love my business. I love serving my customers. I love coaching people and helping them find their confidence. That's a big thing that, as I said before, I thought everybody just came out of the wound confident and tried new things and wasn't afraid to sort of take that leap. And as I have met so many incredible, brilliant, talented women who doubt themselves, who hold themselves back, it has become my mission to give back to military families um, who have done so much for us in our country and also to encourage and hopefully uplift and inspire others to live the life that I know that they deserve, that we all deserve, but it takes our work and it takes our commitment. And, but I hope that I can give some perspective. I think that's what a leader's job is, but if I can give some perspective and I can create these conversations with amazing people that I've come in contact with that can all inspire us to show up a little bit better, to believe in ourselves, to take those risks, to put in the work, to see those risks become successes and to become things that we are proud of and to fail forward. That's what this is all about. My life is, is far from perfect, but I love every day that I get to, that I get to be on this earth, even the challenges I'm grateful for because I'm here and I'm breathing and I get to have even the bad days is a gift. And I'm grateful for that perspective. I hate that it had to come out of such tragedy, but I want to live a life that Luke would be proud of. I want to live a life that my husband and kids and a legacy that they're proud of. And so that's what I'm here fumbling through, trying to do each day. I'm grateful for you for being here. This is my story. I was, I don't think I've ever been so nervous to do a podcast, to record something, to speak because it's vulnerable and it is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, it's hard. It is beautiful, but it is our story. And I think when we can own that and be honest and confident about the things that we want out of this life, really, really beautiful things can come if we're willing to be open to them when they show up. 
And so I'm here to show up for you. I'm grateful for each and every one of you for being here, for being a part of this community and cheers to learning together, showing up a little bit better tomorrow than we did today and chasing those big, crazy, audacious dreams. If they don't scare you, they're not big enough. So I hope that this will encourage you to dream a big, crazy, wild dream. Share it with me. I want to hear your dreams. Tag me in your takeaways from these shows. And I want to cheer you on. Uh, I want to see everyone live their most fulfilled life. So this is my story. And I can't wait to hear more of yours. Have a great day, friends.